Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to the Garden of Earthly Delights. This is your host, Jackson Hogan, back to enthrall you with, well, everything there is to know about alpine skiing. In today's episode, I want to share some feedback from Tuesday's Revelation and Companion Podcast on Realskiers.com that was titled, Will the Next Generation of Skiers Be the Last? I've called the three most perspicacious commentaries from my inbox, as I believe each has something important to add to my premise, namely, that skiing as we have known it is on its last legs. The three dear readers I've chosen as worthy of your attention are Tim Cole, Jimmy Pedersen, and Greg Stump. The last name ought to be familiar to my dear listeners, as he is due to be inducted into the U.S. Ski and Snowboard Hall of Fame this spring. If his name fails to register, perhaps the icons who starred in his classic films, such as Scott Schmidt and Glenn Plake, both also in the hall, and Mike Hattrop, who should be, will ring a bell. Suffice it to say, every current ski film company owes an eternal debt to Stump for having reinvented the ski flick. You can be forgiven for not knowing another of this podcast contributors, Tim Cole, but if you ever met him and engaged his on-fire intelligence, you wouldn't soon forget him. Tim has been part of the fabric of skiing for decades, but time has not withered his wit or powers of observation. You'll get a taste of what makes Tim Cole so special shortly. Correspondent number three is Jimmy Pedersen, who has to have skied in more countries, at more resorts, be they cow pastures or palaces, than any other human being living or dead. He has documented and lavishly illustrated his half-century of travels in the two-volume extravaganza, Skiing Around the World. In case I forget to mention it later, the website for the book is www.skiingaroundtheworldbook.com. Before I share this trio's takes on my last revelation, I feel compelled to remind you that it is due to the boundless generosity of our members that RealSkiers.com is able to bring you this episode of Jackson Illuminates Everything About Skiing, unadulterated by commercial bleating. And now, a handful of my dear listeners' responses to Will the Next Generation of Skiers Be the Last? Beginning with Tim Cole. An iconoclast of the First Order, Tim Cole has been embedded in the ski culture over a long and eventful career. When I wrote for the ski trade rags, such as Ski Business, Snow Country Business, and Ski Tech in the 1990s, Tim was always a provocative interview who never shied away from controversial positions. At the time, he owned and operated Research Dynamics, a ski brand which he sourced out of European factories, including Elan. He also created a snowboard brand, WFO, that caught the wave of the then-new phenomenon. The acronym WFO, by the way, is naughty. A passionate follower of ski racing, he follows the details on the white circus with an insider's zeal. He has served as a consultant to the Midwest Ski Areas Association for many years, and he currently can be found in and around Alta, Utah. Tim Cole writes, Dearest Jackson, you may not have noticed that the current quote, problem in the ski area business is too many customers. There are so many rich people now with unlimited free time that the fact that we have eliminated middle and lower class folks is not a factor. The reason prices are so high is that RPs, rich people, can afford it. If we didn't charge as much as we do, we would be overrun. Plus, in order to pay a living wage, we have to charge possibly 30% more than we do. 
Vale has sold over 2 million epics, and Altera has sold over 700,000 icons. Even the Indie Pass is approaching 200,000. This is proof that there is demand. There was a school of thought that when the boomers died or quit, the local real estate market would collapse. This has proven incredibly wrong, with 10 million and 25 million and 50 million sales happening all the time. Resort real estate is at an all-time high nearly everywhere. Kids have figured out how to make money out of nothing, consider Bitcoin, and they are replacing the old fogies. The ski business will continue to flourish, as long as we have snow. No matter what, the next 10 years are assured. After that, we, meaning you and I, won't need to care. As usual, I find it hard to argue with the core of Tim Cole's argument. We have well and truly rinsed the middle class out of the sport. Now, world traveler Jimmy Peterson, whose magnum opus, Skiing Around the World, is testament to his lifelong obsession, provides a perspective we rarely contemplate from this side of the pond. Jimmy writes, Dear Jackson, while I much prefer when you discuss the positive aspects of our favorite sport, or when you delve into your rich past and create a nostalgic glimpse of your glorious ski bum days, your most recent Doomsday article was so spot on that it also must be recognized for its insight. Thanks for this great piece. The tragic part about the climate change and the eventual total demise of skiing as we know it is part of the story that is obvious, and I think most skiers realize the dire situation of climate change. But the bulk of the story is what many don't understand or have never thought about. The ski industry has been grappling, without much success, for the past 50 years or so with how to get seedling skiers to continue the sport into old age. It seems to me that this was not much of a problem in the early days of skiing, partly because the early adherents to the sport were skiers because they generally lived close to the mountains. In addition, there was little cost to the sport, as there were little or no lifts, and there was also little competition from other sources of entertainment. Basically, if you lived in or near the mountains of Switzerland, Austria, Italy, France, or Germany, this fascinating pastime was at your doorstep, accessible, and was one of the few entertainment outlets available. The sport then grew from a pastime for local mountain villagers in the 1920s and 1930s to the status-enhancing, trendy sport that became by the 1960s and 70s. But, since then, the industry has floundered. You have pinpointed many of the reasons for the difficulty. The whole analysis makes me ever more aware of how lucky I have been, along with you, to glide and slide through the past 50 years or so with full seasons of skiing almost every year. About 4,700 ski days, and still counting, at least in Jimmy's case. I avoided all the pitfalls. The cost became minimal when one spent the whole season skiing. The access became easy when one moved every winter to the ski resort. The time was made available by prioritizing skiing over and above career opportunities and a stable family environment. Distractions from other hobbies or interests were limited to the non-winter months. Baseball could flourish, but basketball was eliminated from my list of hobbies. Most importantly, I have continued to avoid adulthood, and perhaps that is the true secret of my success. I suspect that you might be the same, although who be it for me to accuse you of being a child? I might add that you very accurately twice mentioned specifically, quote, Americans when speaking about the problem of having time for skiing. 
both the time and expense factors you mention are, indeed, more of a problem for Americans than for Europeans. In Europe, the entire industry does not suffer by any means to the extent that it does in the U.S. With a norm of five to six weeks vacation, as you well know, European skiers can still and do still most often have a full week's ski holiday and often two such vacations. U.S. resorts are, contrarily, relegated to weekend traffic only, and that results in higher prices to meet the bottom line. The higher prices, in turn, eliminate even the upper middle class from being able to afford to ski in the U.S. And in addition, as you mentioned, the weekends in the likes of Tahoe become a nightmare of traffic chaos, lift lines, and overcrowded pistes. Well, ultimately your final words are accurate. We will continue to enjoy it as long as we can. All the best, Jimmy. And now, a different take from someone who once sat at the epicenter of what was new, who has since drifted away from active participation. This is how the groundbreaking movie maker Greg Stump reacted after listening to Will the Next Generation of Skiers Be the Last? Jackson Darling, he begins. As a groupie, you know I am biased. I love everything you do. Your recent podcast on the loss of the middle-class skier rang true to my heart. Growing up in Maine as a kid in Gorham was a blast. Lots of things were fun, but the Kiwanis Slope was a dream come true for us eight-year-olds. Who cared if the rope toe could kill you? Bull wheels made from old tractor tires? (laughs) A real rope? (laughs) It was fast. Getting on was a learned skill. Watch the big kids. Squeeze the rope slowly. Don't jerk your arms out of their sockets. There was a warming hut, lights at night, grass and hay under the four-inch base. The vertical was maybe 200 feet. It didn't matter. We were skiing. Our family season pass cost $10. We grew up on Pleasant Mountain, 38 minutes from Gorham, one hour from Portland. The local ski area that you refer to, El Papi. This is one of Greg's affectionate references to yours truly. My ski career involved competing in 70s USSA amateur freestyle, which was the kids' program you reference, Your Highness. (laughs) Jumping into ski movies contributed to my 23 to 40 years of staying in the sport, thereby defying the chances of success you referred to with the poor little turtles scuttling across the open beach, my lord. Being in the ski industry from childhood, there existed something that really pissed me off about the ski industry. They lost the young skiers who morphed into a life of, quote, making a living. Because I was making a living at ski movies, despite all the odds against same, I wanted to bring the young skier across this economic void and want to ski again. Seriously, Blizzard of Oz was the highlight of my strategy. To make you want to ski for the first time. Or again. Film Chamonix, Scott, Glenn, and Mike, and create a myth a dream, an audiovisual time travel event that made you want to ski. After an 18-year hiatus from skiing for reasons I choose not to disclose here, this year I want to ski again. My buddy Jackson, I can't wait for you to get a hold of my ankle replacement ready right ankle and buckle me in. I'm going to let you operate. At least it's not your first special needs boot fitting. Your friend, Greg Stump. I want to give a special thanks to my three correspondents who helped me build this podcast. This has been Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. Thanks for listening.